I just got to tell these people what I found. The third word is risk. And, and that's the fact that, you know, when you're going to share the gospel with somebody, it always feels a bit risky. And we can't let risk or the fear keep us from sharing that gospel. And lastly is the word care. Do we really care about people? You know, when you're, when you're checking out or you're standing next to somebody, you look at that person, we should be thinking, where is that person going to spend eternity? Because that's a long time. And do we care about people more than our own comfort? Well, this morning I want to talk about one more aspect, and there's just one thing I want you to remember this morning that we're going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about a lot of different things, but I want to talk about the importance of, of remembering that there is a place to let people know the bad news. Because the gospel is good news, but what makes the gospel good news is the fact that it's set in the context of bad news, of really bad news. And so I'd like to read a passage here from Ephesians. Now, one of my favorite, I think Ephesians is probably my favorite New Testament book. And the first three chapters is all about how God is blessing his people, that he He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he goes through all of them. He goes, okay, you've been adopted, you've been chosen, you've been redeemed, you've been forgiven, you've been given the Holy Spirit, you've been given power, you have been given hope, and uh, you've been given a revelation of the mystery of what God's doing in the world. And then there's that great passage that Paul says, and I pray that you'll know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God for you. It's all good news, except... Right in the middle of that, those three chapters, Paul interjects the bad news. And I'm going to read it this morning. You can follow along. Ephesians 2, the first three verses. So he just gets done talking about all of the ways God's blessed us. And then here's what he says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, notice what he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, here's who we were. We were by nature objects of wrath. That's pretty bad news. So he walks through it. He said, first of all, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You had no spiritual pulse at all. You weren't weak spiritually. You weren't anemic spiritually. You were dead. No life spiritually. Then he says that you followed the course of this world. And the world is on a course. The Bible makes that very clear. The world is headed on a course, and it's a collision course, and it's a course with destruction. And in the end, the world will be destroyed as we know it. It says the elements will come, and it will be, it will be literally destroyed, and it will be renewed in, a, in an amazing way. But the world is headed on a course, and it is a course of destruction. So that's the course that we were headed on. So we're dead, and we're headed on that course. They says you followed Satan. 
the prince of the power of the air. Because to follow the course of the world is to follow Satan, because that's, Satan is the one that is directing the course of this world. And so when you follow that course, you're actually following Satan himself. He says, you lived by your fleshly passions. In other words, you acted out of this nature that is sinful. And then he concludes by saying, and that nature, you by nature were an object. Notice what he says. You were an object of love. You were an, obje- you were an object of, of wrath, of God's wrath. Now, that's pretty bad news. And it is against, you know, is it against the darkness of that news that the gospel then, you know, just, just jumps out at us. But if you take away that, that, that backdrop, the gospel loses its wonder. And so what's, what's so amazing is that we were spiritually dead, but the gospel says you can be born again. You can actually be made alive in Christ. You can be born again in contrast to being dead. Uh, you can now follow a new course that God has, has given you in, in the world through his, through his Spirit. Now you can follow and live in the power of the Spirit, not the course of this world. Now you can follow God and not Satan. He said, now you can live not by your fleshly passions, but by the Spirit's leading in your life and, and just imagine going from being an object of wrath to being an object of God's love. What, what makes the gospel so wonderful when we say, you know what, you're an object of God's love is to realize that right now people are an object of God's wrath because of our sin. You know, they, they say that in, in order to to bring about change in any organization. And this is kind of on a, on a business level. Uh, <clears throat> but in order to bring about change in the organization, and I think this is true in an individual life, one of two things has to be demonstrated. Either you have to demonstrate that there is significant, significant reward from, you know, bringing, going along with change in a person's life, or the other is that to stay where you are is seen in such a negative light that the change must happen. And when we think of, of sharing the, the gospel and we think of you know, the, the good news of the gospel but also the bad news of our situation, you, know, you might come to somebody and say, you know, God loves you and, and, and simply approach it from that standpoint and say, you know what, God... God wants to pour out his love. He wants to bless your life. And you know, someone may just say, my life's not too bad the way it is. But the thing about sharing the bad news is that this is true for everyone. That everyone that is not in Christ is an object of God's wrath. That everyone, like it says, you know, like all of us, the rest, all of us were in this situation. And so the power of the bad news is that it sets up the wonder of the good news and prepares people for that. Let me give you an an illustration. Uh, If you've flown uh, 
If you've flown in an airplane, you know what, what I'm talking about here. And if you've flown a lot, you probably uh, understand this as well. But what will typically happen is, as you're sitting there in your seat and you're waiting for takeoff, the stewardess will come on, she'll say something like, uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you for flying United. We were, uh, uh, will be taking off shortly, and we'd like your attention here as we explain some of the emergency features and, uh, on, on, the, on the aircraft. And so she begins this thing with, you know, the seatbelt, you know, and, and the, uh, <coughs> you know, the uh, oxygen that comes down, and you go through this. And so, you know, if this is your first time flying, you know, you pull out the little insert and you're following along because this seems really important. And, you know, I think I did that. And then the, the next time I flew, I looked over and this, this lady's announcing this and the person next to me is pulling out a book. And she's reading a novel and, and the guy behind her is sleeping. And she's going through the emergency procedures. I mean, she's talking about what happens when the cabin pressure fails and there's no oxygen. And the guy in back of her is doing something on his computer, and the person in front is visiting with his friend. And, you know, why are people not paying attention? Is it because they've done this a hundred times? That they've pulled down the oxygen mass and put it on and been in a hundred airplane crashes? No, nobody's ever used these things, and yet nobody seems concerned about it. Why is that? because nobody thinks the plane's going to crash, right? If they thought the plane was going to crash, they wouldn't be on the plane. <laughs> so, you know, nobody, nobody's too concerned because, you know, they know that potentially there could be some bad news, but that's probably not going to happen. That's probably not going to happen. No one thinks the plane is going down. Here's the message that we have for people. Uh, what do you think would happen if the stewardess got up and when she got to the oxygen mask one, she said this. She said something like that. Uh, folks, uh, <clears throat> on our flight to Seattle today, I just want you to know that probably somewhere along the uh, flight, we will lose cabin pressure and there will be not be significant oxygen in the cabin to breathe. I'd like to explain the oxygen mask. All of a sudden, the lady puts down her book, Guy puts a magazine back. The only guy not listening is the guy that fell asleep in the second row. And everybody is intent. You see, the message that we're called to share is that, folks, the plane's not going to make it to Seattle. The plane is going down. No one makes it to that destination. No one makes it to that destination. The Bible says we're all going to die short of that life that we're all looking for. We're not, we're not going to make it. The plane is going to go down. And if you're not ready, you are in serious, serious trouble. If a person understands, if they can believe that the plane is going down, they will listen much more intently. Hebrews 9.27. You'll see it up in the wall. Man is destined to die once and after that, to face judgment. And here's the bad news. Here's the bad news. All have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. All of us have sinned, and the wages of sin 
is death. The plane is going to go down. Now, you can tell people they should know Christ because he loves them, and that is very true. But their mother may love them too. And so that may really not get through. You know, you may say, you know, God wants to really bless your life. Well, their life may be pretty blessed the way it is. God wants to forgive your sin. Maybe they say, well, you know what? I've, I've forgiven myself. Uh, maybe you say, you know what? This is how you can get to heaven someday. And they may say, I'm really not ready to leave this earth yet. But you tell people they need Jesus because they're sinners, they're facing death, and they will stand before God, and they will give an account, and they will be under the wrath of God for simply the breaking of one law of God in their life. Now, they may not believe that, but that is the truth of the bad news of the Scripture, and that is the context. So, we see here that Paul gives us that example And he always looks at the bad news and then he presents the good news. So listen to it here in context. You know, we read that we were dead. We we used to live, you know, following the course of this world, Satan of our flesh, that we were by nature objects of wrath. Verse 4. But, and here's, here's the contrast. Now he'll paint the picture against that black canvas. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. See, he dealt with our deadness, even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, took us out of this course of this world, took us out of the control of Satan, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There it is. One of the clearest pictures of the good news in all the Bible. I I love that passage. I love those nine verses. The bad news and the good news. The gospel and, and the situation of man. And, and you see that repeated in the scriptures. You know, we think of how do we share the gospel? We, you know, you've got to get man lost before you can get them saved. You've probably heard that. And so Paul does the same thing in Romans. The first three chapters, you know, is all about making sure everybody realizes that they don't have a chance on their own. And then and only then does he share the good news with them. Yeah, Jesus is not shy about warning people. So we see that all through the life of Paul. Jesus is, is very much the same. There are about a, about a dozen references where Jesus warns about the fires of hell. And we don't have time this morning to, to go through all of those, but I'll just put one of them up. It's Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so Jesus regularly gives these warnings to people. And so this morning, 
I, I want to just kind of bring it down to a, a point of application here. One of the things that's, as we share the gospel with people, one of the things that's so important, and, and this is important in, in so many areas of life, and I think is one of the most difficult things to maintain, and that is uh, this word. It's something that's hard to maintain as you get older. Balance, right? I took my grandkids out a couple weeks ago, and uh, we went out in the woods, and we were, we were doing what boys do. We were destroying things and, and doing risky things. And so every tree that looked like it could be pushed over got pushed over, you know. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, pushing it down, you know, that kind of stuff. The thing blows up when it hits the ground, and there's just something that thrilling about that. The other thing we were doing was we were finding trees that, that were, had fallen and were off the ground on one end and, you know, things that were, you know, under 15 feet or so. And then we were seeing if we could walk, you know, see if we could walk up those, those uh, trees without falling off. And it was, you know, when you're trying to, to balance, it's so important because if you get too much to one side or the other, you, you basically fall off. And so balance is, is really hard to maintain. And I think in this area, it's, it's so important to maintain this balance because we see people talking about the dangers of hell and then we see him talking about the, the joys of heaven. And so we talk with people about grace, the good news, and we talk about the bad news. And it's finding that balance with people to know how to share with them. You know, Vicky and I grew up in a time when probably in our day, we, we heard a lot of fire, what we would call fire and brimstone hell messages, okay? And from my impression, it was, you know, when back in those days, and I think Vicky would share the same thing, when you thought of God, you thought of, you probably thought of being in trouble more than being loved. Even as a Christian. And so, you know, it seems like in our day, people would go forward, you know, five, six, seven times to make sure they'd done it right because, you know, there was this, there was a lot of, a lot of stress on, on our sin and on hell and, and, and on all this. And so then, you know, fast forward to 2013, and I think that pendulum, pendulum has swung way, way to the other side. And you hardly hear about sin, and sin is being minimized, and, and it's like nothing's sinful anymore. And, you know, the fear of God and the authority of God and, and the, that, that whole concept is being lost in our culture. And so it is so important to not shy away from those passages which talk about our situation before God and our sin and the seriousness of sin and to understand the holiness of God. And so that is the balance that, that Jesus demonstrated so well. Because, you know, some people, he didn't say a word about that. I mean, a woman who's caught in adultery, who's, who's got her head buried in his feet, he doesn't have to talk to her about judgment and condemnation and hell. She, she understands that. You know, there are other people in Jesus' day that they, that they, didn't, they understood that. It's not where Jesus went. But other people, Jesus had to, like, smack them in the face to get their attention. 
You know, and it depended on the level of self-righteousness that people had. And so those that were very self-righteous, you know, Jesus had, he didn't shy away from saying, you know, you guys are in danger of spending the rest of your life in hell. Did you know that? Did you know if you go out and get in this car and, and you're in an accident, you will be in hell before the end of the day? That may be a word that needs to be said to somebody, and that may be a line that should never be said to somebody, depending on, on where they are. And so we have the bad news and the good news, and, and both are essential as we share with people around us. Those of you who have shared uh, using Bill Fay's method of sharing, the first two verses first two verses are the bad news. The bad news is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the second thing is, and the wages of that sin is death. Eternal death. And that truth needs to sink in. But, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm going to conclude this morning with a, uh, a little clip, and then we're going to pray. And I just, want you, I just want you to see the contrast here. And at the end of this clip, at the end of this clip, you're going to, uh, you're going to hear the good news, but it's set in the contrast of, of the bad news. And I think I want us to sense here the power of understanding who we are, and then the wonder of the good news of the gospel. <clears throat> when we talk about sin here, all right, sin, and, and I'm well aware that some people don't believe in sin. They think it's a fabrication on the part of religion in, in order to control. But even the most relativistic atheist would say that there's something wicked and evil. When you have a scenario like occurred two years ago where a 34-year-old man kicks open the door of an elementary school and puts a bullet into the back of the head of 11 fourth graders. Even the most hardened relativistic atheist in that moment says, that's wicked. Right? Even the guy who would say that there's no standard of truth, even the cat who would say that doesn't exist, looks at that scene and says, something's gone wrong here. The one thing that we can all agree upon is that something has gone deeply wrong with humanity. Something has. Biblically, historically, in every way possible, we say that's sin. Well, I don't know. I think religion is part of the problem. Religion in the scriptures is a sin. Do these things to appease God is viewed as wicked as murder. You've got to understand. Every one of us, all of us, have broken the Ten Commandments. Every one of us. No one's clean. You don't make it through any of them. All of you, me included, guilty of the fracturing of entry-level morality. Not complex Christian ethics. Just entry-level. On the wall. All of us guilty. Every one of us guilty. Every one of us breaking those commandments. And God, because He is good, listen to me say this. Because He is good and holy and just, is going to judge and damn every one of us rightly. He is not wicked for this, He is good for this. But God, being rich in because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He had a chance to repent. 
Father, this morning, we just pause at the end of this service to once again appreciate the wonder of the gospel. Lord, we thank you for that word, but Father, we thank you that you are rich in mercy. And Father, that despite the depth of our sin and the seriousness of our sin, Father, our sin is so serious that someone had to die. Someone had to die because of our sin. And Lord, that someone was you. And Lord, you were the only one that could die for that sin. And so, Lord, this morning as your people, we, we stand in the wonder of the light. Father, we thank you for the candle which continues to burn this morning, symbol that the gospel goes out. And, Lord, we know that what makes that candle so noticeable is the darkness in which it shines. So, Father, first of all today, we... We don't just thank you for people out there that live in darkness and need the gospel. Father, we, we first begin by thanking you for the darkness in our lives that you overcame with the light. And Lord, we thank you that, that by your grace and by your mercy and in your kindness uh, today, we can be recipients of your kindness and your mercy. Father, we would pray for anyone in this room today never personally trusted you and received your Holy Spirit by faith and by simply asking you into their life. Lord, anyone here who is headed for hell and headed for eternity apart from you, Father, we pray that today all of that would change. And we would pray that they would, the veil would be lifted and they would see that you are a God who, yes, is absolutely holy, but also is absolutely loving and has, has made every provision through your Son for us today. And so, Lord, it's, it's to that end that we would pray. Lord, we thank you for what you have done, what you continue to do, and, Father, what we have to look forward to through the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as we conclude this morning. As we conclude, I just read again these verses as a reminder. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith is not from yourselves it is a gift of God not by works so that no one may boast and so as we leave this place and go out into another week may we continue to allow that light to shine and uh, as we go out I want to just pray for us as we go Father as we go out into this week I pray for every opportunity that is taken advantage of to share the gospel 
Father, we pray for fruit. We pray for power. We pray for the working of your Spirit. We pray for those times of sharing your gospel that have happened over the last few weeks. We pray that it would bear fruit. We pray that it would accomplish all of your purposes. And so, Father, may we continue to to share this wonderful, uh, marvelous news that you've given to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.